I'm excited to be speaking, um, especially this, uh, this series about God having great plans, and um, I get to speak about God having great plans for the future, and um, you know, sometimes you don't always see those plans, because they're so far away, and so often we're so nearsighted, and all we see is what's right in front of us, and we don't see the, the end game, and we don't see the big picture that God uh, that God gets to see, and sometimes he gives us little glimpses. He gets, like, he, he lets us, he, he clears certain things up for us for a time, and so it gets us really excited, and then we, it, it's almost like you're in the desert or in, like, the wilderness or something, and you're looking for water, and then you see a drop of water, so you run as fast as you can, and then, like, wait, where did it go? And sometimes that's how plans for the future look or feel in life. Um, Jeremiah 29, 11, we were looking at a second ago, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. I love the opening to, of it too. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. It's like a little sneaky, sarcastic little uh, slide that he gets in there. For I know the plans I have for you. You don't know them, but I do. Don't worry, they're good, <laughs> all right? They're, I have plans to prosper you, even if you don't know them, but it's not your job to know them, it's my job. Um, today, I'm going to talk to you about the future. Um, you know, I, you know I was, as I was preparing, you know, I was looking at videos and things, and I decided one thing I didn't want to do today was get really corny and, like, throw on some Michael Jackson videos on the back and, like, uh, you know, hold hands and sing corny songs. You know, we might hold hands at the end, but I didn't want to do anything uh, super corny. You know, um, we've all heard if you plan to, if we, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And I'm afraid, you know, I want to jump right into this. I'm afraid that's the stance that so many of us take uh, when it comes to the spiritual well-being of our kids. And, you know, I could talk about our future individually and, like, what God's plan is for you individually, and God has great plans for you. And like, if you if you're walking through life without plans, with without seeing anything other than what is in front of you, then you're just you're just like a canoe in the middle of the ocean, just just floating on, and you have no idea when you're going to get anywhere, if you're going to get anywhere. And if that's your life, that's not the life that what God has for you or wants for you. He wants you to be in a boat with a sail and with a with a, a motor. He wants you to get places on purpose. And I could speak to your future. I could speak to your future individually, but today I just wanted to speak about the future, not just as you individually, but the future of the church and the, and the country. And I'm going to speak directly. I'm going to speak to parents. I'm going to speak to kids. But um, I think sometimes we fail to plan for the spiritual well-being of our kids. And that in itself is us planning to fail for our kids. Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way he should go. One of the things I know very well is training. I've, I've trained. Anybody done like, anybody ever been in, into any kind of training? Like maybe you were an athlete, maybe you were in the military. I'm sure we've got military in the room. If you have been through training, you know what it is. I tell you what, like, I like, I like to perform. I like to compete. The competing part, you know, that nine minutes where I get to stand in a ring or a cage and I get to, I get to show what I've trained to do is fun. That's the fun part. 
at the end of a training camp that's six or eight weeks long, after I've cut weight and I've been beat up and I've done all the push-ups and all the sprints and all the everything, I get to perform for nine minutes. And the nine minutes is fun, but I tell you what, the six to eight weeks or more is not. It's not. If I could wrap my hands up, put some gloves on every other weekend and just get in the cage and do it, I would do it. It's so much fun. But I have to do the training part. And that's not the fun part. And for some reason, that kind of flips over into our, our personal lives, our parent lives. Is, is, it's not fun to train up our, child, our children in the way they should go. But the training is 100% absolutely necessary. Because if you get... If you go, if I were to get into the ring or a cage and I were to try to fight without any training, no training leading up, do you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get punched in the face a lot. I'm going to lose and it's going to hurt and it's not going to be nearly as much fun as it was when I trained for six to eight weeks. See, so many, so many of us, we don't want to train. We act like the Bible says, bring your children to church and they'll, when they get older, they'll make better decisions. As if... As if this whole thing is just about making good decisions. You know, Jesus coming into the world, that wasn't called good advice. That was called good news. It's not just about making good decisions. It's about knowing your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, we want our kids to know Jesus, and we want them to live for him, and they want, we want them to live like him. Then we have to be active participants in their physical and in their spiritual upbringing. Amen. So many of us, like, we get lost. I think sometimes it's like a real intimidating thing. How do I teach my kid? And, and me, even as a pastor, I've been, in, I've been doing this thing for a while. I grew up in church. I, my parents moved me here when I was two years old. I've been on staff at Freedom for 14 years, and I've got, I've got a baby that's just over 13 months old, and everything changes when you have a baby. How can I teach this little human being that Jesus loves her and that he is the only way? How can I do that? That's even for me. Let me be extremely vulnerable right now, extremely transparent, even for me. It's, wow, what if I can't, what if I'm not able to do this with my baby? What if I can't? But I'll tell you what, it's not nearly as intimidating or difficult as, as some of us make it be. I'll tell you what you have to do. You, wanna, you want to teach your kids how to live for Jesus, how to live like Jesus? What you have to do is you have to teach them how to love people. It comes down that simple. We can teach them scripture. It's awesome to teach your kids how to memorize verses. It's awesome. It's great to teach them how to wake up in the morning and have their quiet time with Jesus and, and sit on the edge of their bed and read the Bible and pray. It's, it's awesome. It's important to teach them those things. It's important to teach them those things. But, but I think it's... It's paramount to be able to teach your kid how to love people that don't look like them, that don't think like them. How can we teach them? How can we teach them? Teach them to, teach them to serve. Really, this is real, real simple doctrine, guys. Real simple biblical teaching. Teach them to serve. Well, how do I teach them to serve? By serving. By doing it. Be willing to tell you what, one of the most difficult things as a youth pastor, I'm going to look down while I say this, 
I'm going to pretend to clean something off my knuckle. Um, one of the most difficult things, one of the most difficult things to do as a youth pastor is when I'm trying to plan events. I'll tell you what, and Becca knows, one of the hardest things that we do is trying to plan events and figure out when we're going to plan them so that we can convince the parents that it's important enough to bring their kids. That's truthfully what we say. Okay, we can't do it on this day because some parents are going to have to drive 15 minutes to drop their kids off for an event that's only an hour and a half and they're not going to want to spend 30 minutes of their day round trip driving to bring their kids to a prayer meeting. It's just, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it's just, it's history. And some of you guys, and I've been doing this for 14 years. This isn't me, this isn't me saying I've been doing this for six months and this is what happened once. This happens time and time and time again. And some of you might want to think back, hmm, was I the parent that refused to, and some of you guys like, oh dang, Oh, man, that, that was me. That was me. You have to be willing. So many of us will make sure our kids get their math homework done. We make sure they have perfect attendance at school, but we can't get them to a youth group event. We're not willing to come up with 50 bucks to send them to a youth group retreat. We have to decide what's important. What are we willing to to invest our time and our effort and our money into. If it's important, you'll do it. If it's not, you won't. My dad taught me when I was a kid, you're not, you're not allowed to complain about something you're not willing to fix. And so many of us so many of us don't invest the time and money and effort into our kids' spiritual lives, and then we think we have a place to complain. They learned it from us, guys, and I'm a dad. I, I'm putting myself in this category. Can Avelyn go to youth group yet? No, she can't, but she will. Can she go to kids' church yet? No, but she will. Why? Because it's important. We've got a fantastic kids' ministry. Excellent. I've been, to, I've been a part of a lot of kids' ministries from, from here to California. And guys, we have an excellent, excellent team that know how to teach not just some silly, silly things, but they're teaching real biblical truths and teaching kids how to live for Jesus. If you, got, if you have kids or grandkids, get them involved. See, Freedom Fellowship is a great tool. But you know what? Anybody know what this hammer does? What? Hammer drives nails. Hammer what? It can do a, it can do a lot of things, right? No, it can't do anything. It can't do anything. You know what? Watch this. Nothing. It can't do anything. All it is is a tool. It can't do anything until I pick it up. If I want to hang a, if I want to uh, hang a picture, I gotta get a nail. I gotta pick that up, and I gotta hit my thumb a couple times before I get the nail in the wall. But eventually, I'll get the nail in the wall. That's why I use like the Velcro strips these days. It's a little more expensive, but man, it saves my fingernails. Freedom Fellowship is a tool. It's a hammer. It's a saw. It's, we've got a bunch of different tools. 
Freedom Fellowship isn't just a tool, it's a toolbox. And if you've got something that needs to be fixed, man, come to the toolbox. But you're the one that has to be willing to pick it up and use it. The one piece of advice that I try to that I give to people regularly, I believe this piece of advice can absolutely revolutionize your life. And it's real simple, and a lot of you guys have heard me say it before because I've said it a lot, but I say it a lot because I think it's that important. And sometimes when we say things once or twice, people don't quite get it. Sometimes I think it was like a month ago or so, I was saying something in youth group, and Cheyenne was like, you say that all the time? I was like, yes, finally you got it. Because I've said it a lot, and nobody's ever called me out on it yet. But it's this. It's the word responsibility. You want to change your life? Take responsibility for your life. And the word responsibility broken into two words is the ability to respond. Stop saying this happened or we couldn't come because of that or, or well, I would have but this. Stop say, saying a bunch of things on why you couldn't or shouldn't have done something. Take 100% responsibility for your life and say, you know what? I didn't because I was lazy. I was lazy. I was, I was in a weird moment in my life, and I just needed to sit down for a little while. And I thought that was more important than taking my kid to X, Y, and Z, but evidently it wasn't. Just get real. When you get real with yourself, when you get real with yourself, you know what that does is it puts power in your hands. Instead of it being somebody else's fault or something else's fault, and they're the things that have the power to change your life, all of a sudden you go, you know what? It was my fault. But you know what? Because it's my fault, that's not a bad thing. That's actually an empowering thing. If it's my fault and I have all the power to change it, guess what I get to do? Change it. You know, one of my favorite stories as a kid. Anybody remember there used to be an Applebee's on First Colonial? There still isn't anything, but... um, Yeah, right next to the Burger King. One of my favorite stories as a kid, I was like, I must have been like a junior in high school or something. But we used to frequent that then Applebee's. Probably shut down because we stopped going. Um, (laughs) But we used to go there all the time. All the time. Like right after church, we'd go there with a big group of friends and we'd we'd, um, have this long table on the back wall. And it was like we went so often, they knew. Anybody have like a restaurant where you go and they know what you're going to order? Yeah. So like before you even get to a seat, they're already like, like preparing your thing. Until the day you're like, I actually didn't want that today. <laughs> like, like, oh, man. Um, but we, uh, we went in like, we, we went in all the time. And um, this one specific night, we must have had, we didn't have like a, a night service at the time. We just had two morning services. But... We must have had some kind of speaker, some kind of special event, because we were going to um, that Applebee's that evening, and um, um, some of you guys may think that I'm a fighter. I, I like fighting because my dad, like my dad's, he was a wrestler. Um, that's what inspired me to want to wrestle when I was in middle school. Um, but a lot of you may or may not know. I really get my fighting spirit from my mom. Some of you believe, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I get my fighting spirit from my mother, 100%. 
um, the only reason you should ever f- fear my dad, really, is because of my mom. Um, it was like when I was a kid, wait till your father gets home. Why? You're already here. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'm saying these things because I'm in front of people and she's over there. <laughs> I should preface, preface this story with that because we were going to this, this one day, we were going to this um, Applebee's and we pulled in the parking lot and if you know what Applebee's, Burger King that I'm talking about, they're right next to each other, basically connected with a parking lot. Um, and we got out of the car and as we got out of the car, we noticed this, um, lack of a better term, I call her a lady, but I mean, mother-ish. But she was in the other parking lot just absolutely laying into her kids. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not against, like, you know, disciplining your child, but, I mean, she was cursing them out just as loud and as abusive as you could, you could imagine. And the kids, the youngest one couldn't have been more than, like, four years old. Like, they're just little, and, like, we're... We're all like, what is going on? What is going on? And so, like, we're walking uh, to the, the Applebee's door, and as we open the door, the lady, we hear her crystal clear. I mean, she was probably a good, like, 50 yards away, but we hear her crystal clear. Why won't you, blankety, blank, 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 listen to me? And my mom, as she opens the door, says, well, if you stop cursing them out, maybe they listen. She just said it under her breath. I don't know how the lady heard. But she heard, she heard her, and she, was, she said something to the effect of, why don't you come say that to my face? And so, and I'm like 16 years old going, you know, like, like getting real, real excited. And like, so my mom, being the perfect, you know, pastor's wife that she is, she popped the earrings out and was like, okay. <laughs> She was like, I'll let you, I'll tell you exactly what I just said. She started rolling up her sleeves. She was heading over to, she was heading over to the Burger King parking lot to let this lady know. And some of you guys love it. Some of you are like, oh my goodness, why? Don't worry, my dad pastored everything up. He like swooped in. All I remember, all I remember was, baby, no, baby, baby, no, no, no. <laughs> I think that's an exact quote. It's an exact quote. He caught her. We went on to eat our, our nachos and our sampler platter. And, you know, years later, it wasn't until years later, really, really knowing the whole story this year, I, like, the question is why? Why my mom, why was she willing to put herself, really put herself in danger for kids that she didn't know? She wasn't, the lady wasn't, like, my mom is never worried about what somebody has to say about her. Forget that. It doesn't bother her at all. It doesn't bother her at all. You can say whatever you want to. It's not going to get under her skin. It doesn't matter. That's not why she wanted to roll up her sleeves and take her earrings out. That had nothing to do with it. 
She had heard enough is what it came down to. She had experienced enough abuse. She had... She saw enough abuse, she wasn't going to put up with it anymore. And if anything, those kids were going to know that somebody was willing to fight for them. I think that's what we need to do. I think as the church... As the church as a whole, we ought to be looking out for each other's kids. I think it's sad that and we live in a day where, you know, when I was a kid, I sat in a, when I was a kid, I, I was sat in a pew. We used to have pews here, and I sat like three or four rows back, and my mom and dad would be leading worship, and I never had, they never had to worry about if I was going to get up and cause a problem. You know why? Because Jesse Volovo was sitting right behind me. Jesse Volovo, yeah, some of you guys know Jesse Volovo was sitting right behind me, and I knew, and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt, if I messed up, he was going to take me out. <laughs> but we live in a culture where we're not allowed to even say that your kid did something wrong. That's why so many of us are so afraid to fight for each other's kids, but we're afraid because if, if we fight for each other's kids, we're afraid you're going to come and fight me. But we have got to get to a place where, you know what, I don't care. I, care. I don't care if I hurt your feelings. I'm here to fight for your kids. We need to stand up for kids whose parents aren't around. We need to stand up for kids whose parents are abusive. You know, James 1.27 talks about how pure religion is found in taking care of widows and orphans. I think orphans aren't always found in orphanages set up by the state. Sometimes we find orphanages in, in the apartment down the hall. We, we'll find orphanages down the street from us. I think that's pure religion is when we take care of those kids that don't have people taking care of them. We have to be a part of the planning of future generations. Not just our futures, I wonder what my 501k looks like, but future generations, things that matter so much more than money. Psalm 127, 3 and 5 talks about children being like arrows. Talks about children being like arrows. You know, and... I was looking everywhere for like a good wooden arrow. Looked everywhere for one. A good wooden arrow with like a nice like arrowhead on the end of it. When I was in California, I lived um, with this awesome family and um, the, the father, he was actually like a, an archery uh, trainer, like a, an instructor, which was really cool for me because like we could get up on a Saturday um, and he had like an archery range in the backyard. So I could get up on Saturday and um, like we'd go and I'd just have like free private lessons whenever I wanted them. So for a while, I, I haven't shot in years, but for a while I was actually pretty good at, at, at using a longbow. And um, the guy that taught him, his name was Mr. Ross Lee. And he um, actually made all of his own arrows and all of his arrowheads and he made his own strings. He made his own bows. I mean, this guy was legit. Now, if you've ever watched like archery um, competitions, 
One of the competitions that they do is like they take this ball, it's like this giant ball and it has like different point values on, on it. So instead of just like a, like a target at the end of a range where you try to shoot the bullseye, they have these games where like they throw this ball and you have to try to shoot a certain target on the ball as it's rolling. My goodness and this guy and they're not doing this with like the the compound bows with like the wheels on top and all the all the different sights it's just a stick and a string and a stick with a arrowhead on the end of it and you just pull it up and he just hits it this guy was incredible so when you read stories about like arrows and stuff so many times this is what we think about all right because this is what we're so used to is the stuff that's manufactured like it's fiberglass and like I don't even know, it's supposed to be feathers, but it's like vinyl or something. And, but when, we, when the Bible talks about our kids being like arrows, if you want a good arrow, it takes, it takes effort. It takes time. You have to find the right kind of wood, not even just a good stick, but you have to find the right kind of wood, and then you have to whittle it down to the right size. And depending on what kind of bow you're using, you have to have a different sized arrow, a different size, or a different weighted arrow to make sure it's going to fly straight. And that's just talking about the stick part. If you want it to stick, you've got to take time making a good arrowhead. We are going to either be a part of the sharpening and straightening or the bending and the breaking of the arrows of our lives. See, some of us, we read about the quiver being full. Blessed is he who has a quiver full. You know, like... But some of us just have a quiver full of broken arrows, and I don't think that's what he was talking about. If we're gonna be a part of if we're gonna be a part of the future generations, our kids and kids that we're gonna adopt, maybe not legally, but kids that we're gonna say, hey, you know what, your your parents are absent. Come come over to my house on Sundays for dinner, for lunch. Let me, take you, let me take you to church on this Sunday. Let's, let's, talk to your, let's talk to your dad. See if it's all right if you come to youth group. These are what we need to do. One, we need to teach them to hear the voice of God. Some of us are going to struggle with this because it's hard to teach something that you have not yet mastered. So, listen up. John 10, 27. My sheep listen, listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Plenty of people say they don't hear the voice of God, but I'm just convinced they aren't listening. Hey, Ian. I have a math problem. Yeah? I need help with. Yeah, okay. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Can you uh, help me with it? Yeah. What are you, what are you looking at? Oh, it looks like Mickey Mouse. Oh, that, that's nice. Yeah. Okay, so um, can you help me with the math? Yeah, 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 right. yeah. So it's 12 times 37. Okay, okay. Yeah? Yeah. Do you know the answer? Oh, yeah. The answer. The answer. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> it's it's not Jesus. Ho- Holy Spirit? Um, okay, so if it's not Jesus, it's... 
probably not the Holy Spirit either. That used to always work in kids' church, though. <laughs> okay, but this is math. Yeah? Yeah. With a T-H at the end. Oh, I thought it was M-T-A-H. Okay, so that's why you failed English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also failed math, too. Like, I, yeah. What? Yeah. You just said... Yeah, no, no, I didn't. No, 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 I don't remember that. I, I don't, I don't remember that. Okay, you know what? I'm just gonna go find Grayson because he's probably smarter than you. Oh, he, okay. He probably knows the answer. Uh, wait, wait, wait! I'm good at science. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You know what I love about this? It says the word of God is living and active. It's living and active. It's doing. You know what causes something, how you know something is alive? It moves. It does things. There are three, th- three reasons, main reasons you're not hearing from God. Three main reasons you're not hearing from God. One, you're not a part of the flock. John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. My sheep hear my voice. Two, you aren't listening to anyone because you know it all already. And three, you have selective listening. God isn't saying what you want him to say so you didn't hear it. We have to know our kids, we have to know that our kids are going to exceed at whatever we achieve. You guys see, I should have thrown that video up there. Man, I, that was a fail. You guys see my, my social media, my, uh, my baby works out with me most mornings. If you haven't seen those videos, go back through my social media. You should check it out. But most recently, I posted one because I've been working out with this medicine ball and like I'm doing different kinds of push-ups and just having fun. And my baby's with me in the morning regularly and she's started, decided, she's decided she wants to start working out too. She actually, a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, she decided she wanted to start working out. She picked up a three-pound weight, dropped it on her toe. She no longer has a toenail. Um, I know. Everybody went, oh. Um, but then she decided, okay, I was finishing up my workout, and um, she went over to my medicine ball and decided, the girl hasn't even done a push-up yet, but she wants to try doing push-up ball, push-ups on the medicine ball. So she's like putting her hands on it, and she gets up, and then she just falls and bumps her chin on the medicine ball. And the funny part is she wouldn't stop crying until I went over and I started doing push-ups. When I calmed down, she's like, oh, that's cool. And then what you don't see in the video is I stopped doing push-ups and started crying again. She's like, babe, I can't do push-ups all day long. <laughs> Thing is, our kids watch what we do. They won't always obey what we say, but they will always watch what we do. We have to understand, no matter what we do, they're going to exceed at it. That has to do with successes and failures. That has to do with righteousness and sin. It has to do with it all. What you do isn't just you anymore. How can I hear from God? I've got some 
practical things you can do. One, read regularly. Read the Bible. That's good. But read regularly. Read the Bible. Ask yourself, who am I reading right now? Outside of the Bible, even. Somebody, that is maybe an insp- somebody that's inspiring to you. One of my favorite authors is Bob Goff. He's got two fantastic books out. Love does. Everybody always. They will absolutely change the way you look at living for Jesus. And it's all scripture. Get in the Bible. Get in a book. Do something that's consistent. You know, another thing, fellowship with other believers. I think it's kind of funny, the word fellowship. I think we only use it at church. You don't really, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going to go fellowship with the boys. <laughs> we'll go, go fellowship, you know, maybe play some cards. I'm going to go get my fellowship on. No. Hang out with other believers. Hang out with people that that believe like you, that are trying to live like Jesus. Hang out with people. And not just at church. Not just at church. Not just on a Sunday or a Wednesday. Outside of these walls, get with people that that believe like you. You'll hear from God. How else? Go outside. That one's real practical. Get outside. You know why? Because there are so many distractions at home. One, your phone. Two, Netflix. Three, you need to sweep and mop your floor. There are so many distractions. So many distractions. You want to hear from God? You want to, you want to hear from God? Get out in his creation. Rest. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to sit down, relax. Sometimes we come to God and we just, and we never sit down and say, okay, God, what do you have to say about it? Just sit down and get quiet. If you want to learn how to hear from God, love people. It's been so much fun doing these Matthew parties with these kids. We buy cheeseburgers. We've given away like 400 cheeseburgers at the oceanfront. <laughs> we, get, we buy a bunch of cheeseburgers. We take a bunch of kids out on the oceanfront, and then we just give them away. And it's so awesome that kids are starting to hear from God and experience God and experience real ministry. And that one ministry, um, one ministry interaction cost a dollar. I wish I could do that. You can, because cheeseburgers only cost a dollar. You might not buy 100 of them, but take your family and buy 20 cheeseburgers and then just go give them away. Mini Matthew parties. There, we just invented something. Go do it. Love people everywhere. Teach them to hear the voice of God, too. Teach them to obey God's word. How can I teach my kids to obey God's word? They won't even obey my word. 1 Samuel 15.22, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. You know why obedience is so important? It's because before you can obey, you have to believe these three things. 
And this goes into your, this will go into your family life too. Why won't my kids obey me? It goes into these three things. Before you, before you can obey, you have to believe that you belong to someone other than yourself. You are subject to someone else's rules. And you have to believe that at some point you will have to answer for your actions. Amen. That goes to your kids too. Why will my kids obey me? Well, probably because they don't believe they belong to anyone else but themselves. They don't believe that they're subject to anybody else's rules. And for some reason, they don't believe that they will ever have to answer for their actions. Disobedience means you don't believe those things. If you aren't obedient to the Lord, it's because those things. You don't believe you belong to someone other than yourself. The only way we can teach our kids to obey God's word is by obeying God's word. Why is obedience so important? I'll tell you why it's so important. It declares God's sovereignty. Obeying God, obeying the word of God is important because it declares that God is sovereign. When you say, I want this, but God, you know what? I'm going to do that because of you. Basically, what you're saying is, Jesus, you really are Lord of my life. And that's another word that we don't really use too often anymore, Lord, in, in normal conversation. So sometimes that gets lost. Really what that word means, Lord means owner. It means my life is signed over to you. You have the pink slip to my life. You are Lord. I want to do this, but I'm going to do this because you said so. It declares God's sovereignty. Another thing that obedience does for you is it primes you for blessings. You got some scripture. Deuteronomy 28, 1 through 6. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, your God being careful to do all his commandments um, that I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and, and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall be you when you go out. In Job 36, 11, if they listen and serve him, they complete in their days prosperity and in their years in pleasantness. Psalm 112, 1, blesses the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. I could go on and on and on. It's declared and promised so many times in the word of God. If you will obey the word of God, blessings are waiting for you. Obedience aligns you and your life for blessings. Last thing is three, teach them to live without limits. Has anybody ever been around a, an elephant before? A live elephant? Lindsay and I got to, we've gotten to be around elephants a couple of times. 
when we were waiting on our baby to be born, I know not just nine months, uh, some of you guys that maybe knew, like we tried for about nine years to get pregnant. And when, when we found it was going to be difficult, instead of just being sad every time we got a negative test, um, every year we decided we'd almost have like, I guess for lack of a better term, a consolation prize. And we would, um, we'd go on a trip. So like we've, we got to go to a bunch of different places um, before our baby came. And um, one, we, uh, on our 10-year wedding anniversary, uh, we're getting ready in a couple of weeks to celebrate our 14th. But on our 10-year wedding anniversary, um, we went to South Africa and um, we renewed our vows in South Africa on a game reserve. And that day we, got to, we actually got to ride an elephant. Um, more recently, like we went to Thailand and uh, this was just before Avalyn was born. And, um, we stayed on like a, it was that, I think they call it an eco-lodge. And they had like elephants that they rescue that were right there on the, on the um, property. So we got to like pet the elephants and stuff. And it was really wild though on the eco-lodge because um, even though they're rescued, the elephants uh, are, can still be fairly dangerous to people because they're just so massive. And so when elephants are babies, what they do is they take, they take the elephant, they put like a little like cuff on their ankle, and they drive this stake into the ground, and then the elephant gets used to not being able to move. Well, why can't it move? Because it's a baby. But what happens is it trains this baby to know when this cuff is on, I might as well not even try because I'm stuck. I can't move. So then what you see is as they get older, the cuff gets bigger, but they still just have this like little stake driven into the ground, and these elephants don't even try to run away, even though they're thousands of pounds. It's because they're trained. When I have this on, I'm stuck. I can't go anywhere. You know, the word teenager is fairly common today, but it didn't um, get used first um, in print until 1941 in the Reader's Digest. That's when the word teenager basically made its debut. Um, you know how many times the Bible has the word teenager or adolescent or teen in it? None, because it wasn't around. Until recently, you were either a child or you were an adult. There was no in-between. Now, now we've got baby, toddler, child, we got teens, young adult, some other something, college. Like basically what we, what it seems like what we've done is we, whenever somebody decides that they don't want to be a, a responsible person, what we do is we create, we create a category for them and just say, you know what, that's normal for you. It's okay. They're, your kid is acting crazy, it's because they're two, which I know my kid is getting there. Uh, <laughs> but your kid, your kid, you know, they're supposed to be doing that because they're 16. Expectations for American teenagers are fairly low. This is our typical, this is our typical um, expectation. We want them to do their homework, stay in school, say no to drugs unless it's a little weed, get into college. 
That's the truth. Nobody's going to argue with me over it. I'm a youth pastor. I know. That's basically what, what we want them to do. That's basically all. We want them to stay in school, don't do drugs unless it's a little weed. Get into college and then hopefully get a job. Most of all, we want them to move out. For most of America, those are the things, those are the things that we're looking for. I didn't say anything about like chores. I didn't say anything about helping around the house. For America, a lot of those things are a thing of the past. We have set extremely low expectations for young people. And not only is it, I wouldn't say that it's just sad. I would say it's dangerous. Because this is what happens. We have a dangerous cycle. We expect little. Teens produce little. We expect even less. When if we would raise our expectations, we would raise our standard of excellence, then I guarantee every single time we do it, they, they find it, they meet it, and then we can bump the bar up a little more. I expect incredibly great things for our young people. I expect, expect incredibly great things this generation gets a bad rap, but I don't think it's all their fault. I think older generations have called them lazy and boring, but I believe they're powerful beyond measure. Yeah. You know, I'm talking about teaching them to live beyond limits, and there's really only one way to live beyond limits. It's, it's Galatians 5. 22 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified, have crucified the flesh and with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us Keep in step with the Spirit.
Yeah, go ahead. Let's all go ahead and stand to our feet. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We are flat out of time, which doesn't happen with me very often. But let's go ahead and come to the let's come to the altar area together. If you've got your kids with you, get them with you. If your kid just ran out of the room, they can they'll come back in in just a second. Come on down. If you don't have your kid with you, come down here because there are kids in this place that are connected to this place that need you. I want to pray. We're going to pray together real swiftly, make some commitments together. I, it doesn't take long to doesn't take long to get to convince anybody that the next generation the future is important right raise your hand if you believe the future generations are important not only they're important they're imperative they're, the need is there discipling students is there teaching them how to live for Jesus is important Teaching them how to hear the voice of God is important. Teaching them how to obey the word of the Lord is important. Teaching them how to live without limits is important. Today I want everybody here to commit. Not to me. Not just to me. Not even just to to God, but to your kids that are here with you. Kids that are near you. I want you to say, find a student today and say, hey, you know what? I'm committed to you. I'm not just committed to youth group. Sometimes when we hear, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, sometimes that gets so general. It's like, yeah, God loves the world, but does he really love me? And sometimes when we say, yeah, I'm committed to youth ministry, that becomes so impersonal. Today, find a student. Find, find a student a kid, a a teenager, somebody that is younger than you and say, you know what? I am committed to you. To you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for blessing us with, with students, with kids, with teenagers. Thank you for trusting us. These students aren't obligations, but we are obligated to them today we are making a commitment to making them a priority we're making a commitment to saying that they matter we will teach them to hear your voice we will teach them to obey your word and we will teach them to live without limits by living in the spirit We love you, God. We love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for moving today, for meeting us here. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.